seek the treasure of Mara, glittering gold, it is yours. You looked into my eyes. Your path now leads to the gates of doom. <laughs> is this big sire? Is this this Hades costume? Is the stinkiest costume on this brand? <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear? Big Bong is a sus individual. Do I hear six? Who makes it six? Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to racketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we had to do it. It's yep. D23 season. All yep. eyes and ears are on Anaheim and the Disneyland Resort area. So for this bracket, we had to step back into the parks just because we have to get into the spirit of the season. We're we're back. We're back in the parks. Tis the season because we are entering fall, although it does not necessarily feel like that, Chris. We're here in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and things are yep. heating up. Uh, and mm-hmm. I can only imagine that is the same for our guest host. Coming out of Orange County, we have Powerhouse Tess coming back for her ninth tour of duty. Tess, welcome back. Seventh, but yes. Um, I mean, <laughs> okay, I did, it feels like ninth, huh? I did. I did post the stats on my the latest podcast playlist I made on Spotify with mine and Mandy's stats, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, there's a heat wave all over California, and there will be when I go home this weekend uh, to an outdoor wedding. So super stoked, which is why I'm rocking the Hawaiian Moana shirt so I can pretend that, you know, it's a pleasant heat wave, I guess. And to clarify, uh, you have a Spotify playlist of the episodes of Mouse Madness that you have been on. And Mandy. Okay. Okay. Um, Mandy and Mandy and I together. All right. Well, that's that's big Mick energy if I've ever heard it. Run <laughs> <laughs> those stats for us. How how many hours is that? Because I know you posted it. How many hours of Mouse Madness have Tess and Mandy accumulated? Oh, okay. So um, so I have this is my seventh guest hosting, seven time guest hosting. So these stats were prior to this episode, obviously, because I don't know the runtime yet. But with the six ep- the six brackets that I have guest hosted and the four that Mandy has guest hosted, it's over twenty nine hours of um, airtime. <laughs> so if anyone has twenty nine hours to kill from best Disneyland parade to uh, the the biggest Disney badass or whatever, just like go and uh, listen, like <laughs> give that podcast playlist a listen. That's incredible. Now we have another one to add to that list. Probably going to cross that that 30-hour mark pretty easily here. Um, I'm excited because, Chris, we're getting back into the parks here with a fantastic bracket, uh, the best Disneyland character bracket. And uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what we're talking about here? 
we're not talking walk around parks character. We're not talking oh, Mickey on Main Street <laughs> or uh, Donald hanging out by his boat in Toontown. Mickey in the basement. No, we're, we're talking about attractions, characters, characters that were born of Disneyland. And well, some of them have gone on to live lives outside of Disneyland after the fact. Uh, but we wanted to give credit to to a few parks inventions exclusively. So there are some uh, attractions characters like maybe the Buzz Lightyear in the queue of Astro Blasters um, that were not necessarily parks creations that are totally cool like right. attraction characters on their own. But we wanted to narrow this bracket down to just the parks creations uh, that are Disneyland originals. Uh, and and there were a lot to choose from. Uh, we've got 16 solid ones here. But before we talk about them, we got to talk about some spoonful of sugar with everyone drinking. Kyle, we'll start with you. It is a, a beer night. Uh, if anybody saw this past weekend that we are recording, I spent my Sunday at Mai Tai Day over at Trader Vic's here in the East Bay. And let me tell you, that sent me back about three years on the old cocktails. I, I've, I cannot Ooh. even go near anything mixed drink right now. So I, I've got a beer, a nice light crispy beer, which is probably what we need during this heat wave here. And it is a, uh, an American lager. It's called Monk Light. It's from the Laughing Monk Brewing. Uh, it's described as fizzy yellow America, which is a little aggressive, but whatever. Um, they consider it the queen of beers. So I've got a nice light beer that's going to help me get through this episode and not make me throw up after having way too many Mai Tais on last Sunday. Chris, what you got? Well, thank goodness I returned to cocktails this week. So I'm holding down the fort for us here. Um, I've got a a frozen daiquiri. The ingredients are a a cup of crushed ice, an ounce of blue curacao, two ounces of white rum, two ounces of sweet and sour, half an ounce of simple syrup and a lime to garnish. Now, uh, this is just your pretty, your pretty basic, you know, blue daiquiri. Yeah. Uh, finally put the, uh, the Vitamix to use to make myself a cocktail. <laughs> and now if you're keeping track at home, uh, that would create a blue frozen cocktail. But we're talking a lot about the Haunted Mansion this week. So I drop boop, 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 one, two, three red <laughs> food coloring drops in there. So it's a purple one. Oh, there uh, you go. And I'm calling it the Master Tasty. Oh, very Aww. good. Very, very good. How is it? Is it ma- is it tasty? It is tasty. I mean, it tastes very like limey, you know, okay. like lemon, like citrus, kind of a citrusy, um, like a lemon snow cone or something like that. Shout out to Abominable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's good. Re- again, refreshing on, on a very hot day. Um, I think my blender kind of obliterated the ice, so it's kind of turned into more like a really cold <laughs> mixed drink. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's still a work in progress on the uh, the blended drinks for me. Um, Tess, what do you got? So I am sporting my Haunted Mansion wallpaper mug. Yeah. So um, I was trying to come up with a pun for this, but honestly, I'm most impressed with how I made this margarita. So because all I... All I have are canned cocktails and cider <laughs> and a bottle of tequila. So I was like, what can I mix with this? So I have my mango peach angry orchard cider with tequila and ice and then a, um, you know, those outshine popsicles. Yeah. 
I have a, I have a mango flavored one that has tahine already on it. So that's like the mixer. <laughs> it's, it's a mango chicken popsicle. Um, so there are some spirits in here because um, of the tequila. So uh, like Madame Leota says, awaken the spirits with your tambourine. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be awake and then I'm going to go sleep <laughs> with this cocktail. So R.I.P. Me. <laughs> you get halfway through this episode and break out the tambourine in the background, not even thinking about what we're doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're, we'll check in on you and we'll see how that's that's hitting later on in this episode. But let's go ahead, Chris, and talk about this demographic that we got to give us 16 great Disneyland attraction characters. Uh, we're entering fall. We're in the first few days of September. And when that calendar turns to September, you know what time it is. It is big pumpkin Mickey head at the end of Main Street time. And people want to line up and take photos with the Mickey Mouse head pumpkin dude there in the center of Main Street USA uh, and Town Square. So easy, easy demographic. It's just people lined up at the Mickey head uh, waiting for their pictures. Sent the interns into the park with a, a pen and a piece of paper and they took down all of the answers of these people standing in line And we got 16 fantastic Disneyland attraction characters, but Disneyland's been around for 65 plus years. So of course, there's going to be more than just the 16 characters. We're talking Miss the Dance. And uh, Chris, why don't you lead us off with a couple? Uh, This this first one I have is is actually a pretty major surprise just because he has been uh, such a central figure lately when it comes to talking about attractions characters and that's the hat box ghost yeah couldn't believe it um he certainly uh, rose to popularity in the mid to late 2000s as as tales of his original installation at the haunted mansion uh, grew and grew and grew and grew on the internet and social media and disneyland finally caved and put him back uh so he has it's kind of a mix- mixture of like a cult status and also like an orange bird status where it's like oh if you know you know you know like right. uh, if you know who the hat box is hat box ghost is it means you go to Disneyland <laughs> <laughs> this guy Disneyland's bro um, pretty hard and so uh, I, I mean I've been on my hat box soap box many times on this podcast don't love what they did with him uh, was very inspired by the few photos we had of him back in the day but I thought they kind of botched the execution on, on installing him in the mansion. So I'm glad we don't have to talk about him yet again on this podcast. <laughs> uh, the other one is, a uh, is one where like the, this is one where like the real, real ones know. And it's one that's near and dear to my heart. It's the star Tours safety spiel lady. Yeah. Uh, because we, we, we are talking all time attractions characters here today. Important to point out. These are not just current attractions characters. These are all time attractions characters. Uh, and so the, the star, the original star tour safety spiel lady was just absolutely legendary with the Uber expressive eyebrows, the uh, side curls, ponytail hybrid haircut. Um, and she delivered that, uh, sarcastic safety spiel, just absolutely perfectly. It was a great way to kind of um, set the stage for the original incarnation of Star Tours. So I definitely don't think she should have made this bracket. I know why she didn't, uh, but I do want to give her her flowers because we are talking about great attractions characters. Kyle, what are a couple for you? 
Yeah, the first one for me, being the pirate's man that I am, it's the dog holding the keys outside of the jail mm. on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It, it yeah. Just, just a dog animatronic that is interacting with the pirates that are locked up as they're trying to bait him into giving them the keys. And while he doesn't really do too much, it's such a great gag scene that you come around the corner to. And the second one for me is the adventure through inner space narrator. And we talked a little bit about uh, this this character in our legends bracket, I believe. But he is this like scientist that on this adventure through inner space ride has been shrunk down to the size of an atom. And we get to hear his consciousness kind of rerun his experience. And it's really like terrifying. <laughs> it's really, really dark and kind of scary. Uh, the Paul Freeze is the voice of this character. And he just says some of the most iconic lines who, of course, you know, Exitensio helped write the script for this attraction. But my favorite one is, and I still continue to shrink. What compelling force draws me into this mysterious darkness? Can this be the threshold of inner space? And he's saying that and you don't see him. He's kind of following you around the room as you yourself shrink. Really cool character. I get why he didn't make the dance, especially if people standing in line are skewing a little bit younger. They probably never went on this ride as I didn't either since it was only open from 67 to 85. But I love that character. I love that attraction. Uh, So those are the two for me. Tess, any Disneyland characters that missed the dance for you? I I don't know if this counts. But um, there are many um, characters or um, that you can pick from in Small World. You know, yeah. all the dolls. <laughs> I don't know if any of them count. But, I mean, how can you pick a favorite section of Small World? I can only because she is near and dear to my heart. If you follow me on Instagram, there is there was a little hula girl yep. who just wasn't moving her hips fast enough like the rest of them. <laughs> And um, they voted her off the island, and she has not been back since. There is an empty space on the very left, and the second from the left, she she might get voted off soon too because she's not looking too uh-uh. too sharp either. So those hula girls, um, I just they're they're very good. Love that pick. Love that pick a lot. All right, Chris, we've got sixteen characters to get to. Let's go ahead and announce them. Let's cue that dramatic music. Why don't you go ahead and take it away? Everybody, please put a thumb in the air for the number one seed (laughs) from the Haunted Mansion. It's the Hitchhiking Ghosts. Selling hens and women's at the number two seed is the auctioneer from Pirates of the Caribbean. Wake up for the number three seed from the Enchanted Tiki Room. It's Jose. Shaking those tambourines at the number four seed is Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion. Spinning the classics at the number five seed, a man of many talents from Star Tours originally and now posted up at Oga's Cantina, it's Rex. Hanging from the ceiling at the number six seed is the ghost host from the Haunted Mansion. Don't look now, cause the number seven seed is Mara from Indiana Jones Adventure. Selling shrunken heads and mixing drinks at the number eight seed is Trader Sam. Call him daddy, because the number nine seed 
for Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress is the father, John. Harmonizing at the number 10 seed are the singing busts from the Haunted Mansion. What were they thinking? <laughs> the number 11 seed from Innoventions is Tom Morrow. Roaring down the Matterhorn at the number 12 seed is the Abominable Snowman. He gon' light it up like it's dynamite. The number 13 seed is the goat from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Dive, dive, diving into the number 14 seed is the submarine captain from the submarine voyage and submarine voyage with Nemo and friends. Yankee Doodle wins! The Yankee Doodle wins! Coming in at number 15... From America Sings, Eagle Sam. Mark Twain. At the number 16 seed and rounding out this bracket, it is the captain of the Mark Twain Riverboat test. 16 great Disneyland characters. We got some old, we got some a little bit newer. Uh, What matchups are you looking forward to talking about? Definitely... Uh, Madam L versus my boy, the goat. I'm uh, a little nervous about the conversation. Oh, I'm I'm nervous because I'm afraid I'm going to yell at you guys. <laughs> I I know I know you know the goat trick. I know you know. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I Kyle, I think I'm going to go ahead and start things off for us please, here. I mean, please. we've got the number one seed, the hitchhiking ghosts from the haunted mansion versus the number sixteen riverboat captain from the Mark Twain. And um, Kyle, we've got a lot of haunted mansion, a lot of mansion. The mansion bracket. showed up, and we had a haunted mansion in the midst of dance as well. And yeah. there, there are still more. I would say that we could talk about when we talk about the Haunted Mansion. We could talk a little uh, Gravekeeper guy. We could yep. talk uh, a little bride, Corpse Bride with the axe in the attic. Yep. Uh, there are plenty. The opera singer. Opera singer. Uh, Master Gracie himself. Yeah. Ha- hanging from the chandelier. Yeah. Um, look, this is part of the reason why I love this attraction so much uh, is because of the distinctness of all of these characters and the personality, the individuality that each one seems to have Um, credit Mark Davis for all of these very unique creations. He was part of the reason I was pushing him as far as we could push him when we were talking Disney legends. Right. Uh, And I mean, I mean, we, we stack mansion and pirates up all the time on this podcast and it's apples and oranges at the end of the day. Pirates, Pirates, uh, like by definition are kind of like mob mentality. They're all kind of the same person that have given into this pirate group think. Uh, and, and I like the way that the mansion has preserved the individuality of each of these ghosts (laughs) and ghosts are able to be unique in the afterlife in the same way that they were unique in reality. Sure. Totally. Uh, and so there are just so many great ones in the attraction, the hitchhiking ghost coming in at the number one seed. Um, and even though they are a unit, they have individual personalities amongst themselves. And, sure and we've talked about them before. Um, and just to give a brief rundown, we've got Ezra, who is the tallest one, who's very skeleton looking. Uh, we've got Phineas and Phineas is the 
one who has like the carpet bag and he's got a top hat and he's um, a little bit beefier. He's a, he's a big boy. Big boy. Uh, and then we've got Gus and Gus is the little tiny hairy one uh, with the long beard <laughs> and the long hair and he's very short. Um, and, and you never really see much of them other than just them sticking the thumb up. But just the way that they appear, you can make a lot of inferences you know, about their personality. Phineas may be a businessman at one right. time. Ezra, probably a very charming type guy. Hey, man. Uh, hey, can I can I hit you with their with their little backstories here? Okay, Disney, hit me with Disney, those, hit me, hit me Disney with Parks vlog. You know, okay. Disney Parks loves to, to kind of retcon stories. And when we get to the next matchup, sure get do. ready because I am Jesus I am Christ. upset. I am upset. <laughs> but for the, uh, I believe it was the 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion, Disney Parks blog released an article that was like, get to know some of the spirits in the Haunted Mansion. So they, uh, they of course, started out with the hitchhiking ghosts. Uh, Ezra, last name is Bean. B-E-A-N-E. According to the blog, he's the leader of the group and he was a lifelong vagabond. So he's traveling from place to place. That's that's his thing. He just kind of hitchhikes around. Makes sense that he's the leader of these ghosts. And he's like, yo, I know how to get us out of here, baby. I spent my life doing this thing. It is hitchhiking. Throw those thumbs up, boys, because we getting out of this mansion. Phineas is actually Professor Phineas Plump. Uh, he traveled the country hawking snake oil at train depots. Oh, and he crossed the good. spiritual realm while experimenting with a new miracle concoction and still keeps his trusty carpet bag by his side, eager to make another sale. So he's trying to get out. He's already sold all of the snake oil he can in the mansion. He's got he's to branch out. So he's hooked up with Ezra to get themselves out of there. And then Gus, no last name. They gave up. They said, nah, this is just Gus. <laughs> uh, he was a criminal. He served most of his time uh, for, a cr- well, an accused criminal. Allegedly. He served most of his time for a crime he did not commit, apparently. Uh, he entered free Gus, this- bro. Hashtag free Gus. <laughs> Hashtag, let's t- free Mick and free Gus, dude. They didn't do anything wrong. Come on, get him out of there. Uh it says that upon entering, it's easy to tell that he's no criminal mastermind. His playful innocence is apparent as he always looks at the bright side of the afterlife. So that's the backstories. We've got a professor that has figured out how to make snake oil that he's been selling. Uh, we got Ezra, who's forever been a hitchhiker. And then we've got Gus, who was accused for a crime that he did not commit and is trying to just get that out of there. Uh, Phineas, uh, multi-level marketer. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> Long time no talk. Listen, I've got this great snake oil. Um, <laughs> Riverboat captain on the Mark Twain. Look, I love, I love visibility for transportation rides. Whenever yeah. we can get a moment to get them on this bracket to just talk about how excellent they are. I love it. I love Mark Twain. Love hopping on. It's it's one of those attractions. When I was at Disney World, Magic Kingdom specifically, I came to appreciate even more so those attractions that you can you can get on. You can yeah. go into the park and you say, I can ride this today. No question <laughs> about it. I can do it. It's an attraction that has no barrier to it whatsoever. No long waits. No fast pass uh, genie plus magic lightning paid lane uh, that I have to <laughs> navigate or figure out how to do and wake up at seven and book like Mark Twain is there for everyone. 
and yep. you can get on it if you want it. It's always going to be there. I um, mean, I love that. Unfortunately, when I think about the Mark Twain, the riverboat captain narration isn't exactly the first thing that comes to mind after they shove off the dock. Uh, in your little intro there, you gave a nice little Mark Twain. Uh, and absolutely, you know, as you're kind of pushing off into the rivers of America, that uh, is definitely some nice little atmospheric audio that sets the stage, kind of gets you in the moment, places you on that ship, um, gets you waving to all those folks <laughs> well, walking around you the square. Tess knows, wave with the elbow. Tess knows how to wave. She knows that, <laughs> that it's such a rewarding experience to have people wave back to you when you're up there on the Mark Twain. No, um, no. But, but for the most part, I'm, I'm, in, I'm out there. I'm in my own world when I'm on the Mark sure. Twain. And the riverboat captain sure does a good job directing me to the different sites um, that are happening around the rivers of America. But for the most part, uh, I'm kind of exploring myself. You know, it's like... Um, I would compare it to like going to the Met. Uh, you can you could certainly do an audio tour, but you're not missing out on much if you just uh, you know raw dog it and and take care of business yourself. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go with the hitchhiking ghosts. I got the favorite advance in here. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, hitchhiking ghosts are on the poster, man. Like this, they they were icons. They were very important characters before the attraction even opened. Uh, so you got to give it to them. I love Mark Twain. Uh, I love the captain there. I love his narration. It's very soothing for a very sure. soothing ride. I yep. enjoy a narrator that will tell you what you see, but also give you some info along with it. Very, very tour guidey of him, but in a very not in your face way. Just letting you drift down that that river. He brings in the actual quote unquote actual Mark Twain. Uh, to have little little spiels in there as well, but he's pointing things out as you go. I talked about how we fall asleep to sleep stories in this house. Put that narration in the sleep story, baby. I'm trying Ooh. to float down that river <laughs> into my dreams every night. So uh, a lot of appreciation for the captain of the Mark Twain, but it's definitely the hitchhiking ghost. Tess, any issues there? Yeah, absolutely no problem at all. I love at the end when Gus when. When Gus is the one that's in the doom buggy with you at the end, I always, I always hope I get Gus at the end. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Gus ride like on top nowadays? <laughs> I, I don't know, and I won't be able to test that theory till January. So okay, I don't know. Okay, okay, that's a whole other conversation. We can save that for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next matchup. All right, next matchup, we've got the number eight trader Sam from the Jungle Cruise, and as you'll soon find out, other places. Versus the number nine, John, Daddy John from the Carousel of Progress. Trader Sam. Take me, to run, run it down, dude. Baby. What do we dude, got? Dude, okay. Here's, here's the thing about Trader Sam. Trader Sam in the Jungle Cruise, uh, as you probably remember, because he's no longer there, he was the shrunken head salesman at the end of the river. He was the head salesman of the river, as the joke went. Uh, he was this indigenous person that had a little shack that he was, you know, hawking these uh, touristy type goodies, which were just shrunken heads. The joke was that he ran a deal, uh, two heads for just one of yours. Ha ha ho ho. So I'm like, okay, Trader Sam's. Obviously, I'm wearing a Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki uh, Hut shirt right now. 
And it's like, okay, so Trader Sam obviously has some connection to it. And we knew that. We knew that. And so I was going to look up like how that connection so I could explain it to the podcast. And what I tell you, <laughs> Disney be doing too much. <laughs> it's with this. This this is just stupid. So I'm reading, right? And so Trader Sam, he so he's the son of Trader Bill. Okay. Trader why we need to Bill, know that? Why Billy we, baby. Why we need to know that? I don't know. But he's the son of Trader Bill. At some point, he got tired of selling these shrunken heads on the river. And so he wanted to explore the world a little bit. And as he did, he got bit by something that he thought was a mosquito. But in in this backstory, they say it was the mixed drink bartending bug. The bartending bug bit him. That They say he thought it was a mosquito, but it was a bartending bug. It's like, oh, no. Wait, what? Yes. Is it a metaphor? or it, They played it. I saw so I read it like three times and I was like, they specifically said that he got bit and he thought it was a mosquito but it was a bartending bug that could be the stretchiest of metaphors but it's an awful sentence and i hated reading it so as he's on his his journey he is learning to make drinks long story short he ends up being the founder of his own like tiki hut and all of the drinks are named after some of his experiences so he saw the krakatoa uh, volcano erupt and that inspired the Krakatoa drink that you have at Trader Sam's. He came across a pool of hippopotamus. So you have the hippopotami tie, uh, so on and so forth. Great. I love that. Mm. End it right there. But no, 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 no. At this bar. So he, he finds the, the tiki hut and then he starts opening up a series of bars and one of them it's like embarrassing to even say it. But like one of the bars that he opened and worked at was he had a patron that was a frequent visitor and she was Jack Sparrow's mother. And so if you remember in the third Pirates film, um, Jack re- or maybe it's the fourth Pirates film, third Pirates film. I don't know. Don't remember. Jack reunites with his dad and he asks him, how's mom? And dad holds up mom and she's a shrunken head. So they've taken that and been like, oh, well, that must mean because Trader Sam knew Jack Sparrow's mom. So that's just that's just the first like retconning just nuttiness. Okay, so he moves on from the bartending game, continues his world's world traveling. He befriends Teddy Roosevelt. And through Teddy Roosevelt, who is, you know, big on exploration and wilderness and all that uh-huh. good stuff, uh-huh. uh, he he makes friends with a, a group of folks who are within the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. So then you get Trader Sam's kind of footprints in the, what was it called? Adventures Club in Walt Disney World? Yes. You get some Trader Sam influence in there or references in there uh, and... These these examples are just a small handful. This is where I was ready to to jump off a bridge here. Was that he said it says in there that be, right before meeting Teddy Roosevelt, my man's befriended Swiss Robinson and helped Swiss Robinson build the family tree house. Get me out of here, bro. So, I'm um, okay. So 
I understand them trying to kind of like tie all of Adventureland together. Um, but all of these things have movies too. Right. So are you going to get to that point? Is there something like, cause eventually Trader Sam makes an appearance in the jungle cruise movie and right. they're trying to create this like jungle cruise universe. So right. is, is the Swiss family Robinson universe and the pirates of the Caribbean universe adjacent to, and like intermixing with the jungle cruise universe. Is it a Disney cinematic universe? And eventually all of them are going to come together in an epic ready player one moment. Everyone just go search Trader Sam on Disney Fan Wiki. I'm not going to get to the movie because once I saw that he met Teddy Roosevelt, I was out of that article. I did not need to be in there anymore. So you can go look him up, read the backstory. It is bonkers. It is ridiculous. Trader Sam is uh, is just a salesman on the river and he founded a tiki hut. That's about it. Okay, so let's move on here. John, Carousel of Progress. Carousel of Progress was only at Disneyland from... 1967 and 1973 gets changed into America Sings, which gets changed into Intervention. So we'll get there eventually. But I've never seen Carousel of Progress. I've only watched it on YouTube. Uh, I know who John is. I know the character premise. You're going through the progress of America, of, of this suburban family through these different eras of technolo- technological advances. And John sitting in his chair, his rocking chair, reading a newspaper, smoking a pipe, you know, doing, uh, sitting in front of a TV. And he's explaining, oh, this is, this is the best time. Now is the time. Now is the best time right. to like right. be alive. Right. And so, uh, he's showing off all these things. A lot of little gags happen with his family. Uh, he's a, he's a dad, dad. Uh, he, he has his dad jokes. He has a very, I don't know. His voice isn't like soothing, but it's comforting. Like he has a very like dad dad comfort voice, if that makes any sense. Uh, and he's enjoyable. I, I enjoyed watching the Carousel of Progress, having not witnessed it in real life and seeing what was next. I don't know if it would necessarily be repeatable for me just because like the first time watching it, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's going to show off next. <laughs> and I know they've recently like updated the final scene to be a little bit more of date or or future maybe no, no? okay I thought- well the, the the only update that's like of note is that the son got a mineral king sweatshirt oh there you go oh, like random dope i guess <laughs> yeah. but random as, flex. as of three months ago the original the 1993 2000s uh final scene is is pretty much the same yeah okay Okay, cool. So that's John. I mean, I I don't have too much more on him. In this battle of better Disneyland character, I just don't like that Trader Sam is kind of perceived in this like stereotypical way. That's it's the whole reason why they got rid of him. Uh, He has a great backstory, but it's not something that you encounter. You have to do encounter his backstory through references or by reading his wiki. And I think that it's really important that you get the whole feeling and story of this character by encountering them. And so most of the enjoyment of Trader Sam is at the expense of the jokes being said by the skipper. Therefore, I think I'm going to have to go with John here. Yeah. And and just to point out, like, removing all of that wiki stuff, the Disneyland Trader Sam and the Disney World Jungle Cruise Trader Sam 
and the bartender trader Sam all completely different. Uh, (laughs) Look different, different (laughs) vibes, different attitudes. Um, And so it's kind of disjointed. Uh, John, we get a lot of time with John in the carousel of progress. I'm glad Kyle that you enjoyed the show a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and because you said that, uh, when we go to magic kingdom together one day, the very first thing we're going to do, we're going to rope drop <laughs> carousel of progress. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I, I sincerely hope that they never retire that show because it's super fun. I'm a member of the carousel of progress discord group. As a matter of fact, it's a oh. super, super fun place to hang out and chat carousel of progress. But yeah, I, I, um, I want to talk a, a lot more about him uh, okay. on the next episode. Uh, I'm advancing him as well, and it's going to be a tough uh, hitchhiking ghost versus John matchup <laughs> yeah. in the second round. But we've got an upset, uh, a quote-unquote iconic Parks character goes home. Tess, are we? How, how do we feel about this? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think Trader Sam um, in this version gets nearly enough face time for us to form and a real opinion about him, whereas John, we do. All right, the next matchup is the number 13 seed, the GOAT from the <laughs> Big Thunder go. Mountain Railroad versus number four, <laughs> Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion. So the GOAT, um, <laughs> Kyle, I don't, please tell me there's not some type of Disney blogs GOAT backstory article that I'm missing. No, there's not. There's not much on this GOAT. Okay, so the goat. He got a T-shirt. He has a T-shirt that hey. when the before, before the parks open, they put him they put him on a shirt, and I definitely own that. <laughs> add him, add it to the legend of the goat. He's on a T-shirt. So if y'all don't remember the goat, uh, the goat is after Big Thunder's second lift hill. You go up a wooden sort of structure. There's some rattlesnakes to the left, and then at Disneyland in California, uh, you come down and to the right and at the center of the rightward banking drop is this rock spire and atop it is a goat with a stick of dynamite in its mouth. Um, and it, it the goat bleats. It lets out a little bleh as you're going down. <laughs> and, and, that, and for a very long time, that was it. Uh, it was just a goat with the stick of dynamite and... It was a funny like sight gag. It was like, oh, haha, the goat just chewed on a piece of dynamite. It's about to boop, mm-hmm. get blown up mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the, the train exits the area. <laughs> um, some cruelty to animals. We never like to see that. Um, but <laughs> the, a, a recent Big Thunder update um, has the final lift hill that used to just be like a steamy sort of cave, rumbling cave. Maybe there was an eruption about to happen uh, as you were going up the lift hill. Uh, it is now a, a dynamite explosion yeah. lift hill where the, there's a fuse that is lit um, and there's some, there's some projections that show the fuse traveling up the lift hill as the train climbs the lift hill um, and there's an explosion at the top as a big orange cloud Hopefully, if the effect is working, um, gets blowed up into your face as you press <laughs> the lift hill. So, the idea being that the goat on the second drop shooed the dynamite, which set off the fuse, which is now setting off 
the explosion on the final lift hill. Mm. Um, so the goat kind of becomes a part of the attraction in a way, which Kyle's kind of scrunching up his face being like, uh, I don't know about that. Not, yeah, uh, I'm not super sure on it. Doesn't, it's not super apparent, um, but from what I understand, that's, that's, that's what it is. Um, it's, a, it's a dynamite attraction now. The goat trick. Uh, I think we've mentioned the goat trick before on the show, but we'll mention it again. If you are riding Big Thunder on that drop, that second drop where the goat is, if you look at the goat the entire time, it will make it feel like the drop is faster and uh, you will be thrown more aggressively into the seat (laughs) to the left or the person sitting to your left. Uh, I have done it face down i've done it looking at the goat (laughs) and i can confirm that the goat trick does work um and i'm sure there's some kind of science behind it Uh, but but uh, yeah love me a good it's called i mean it's called spotting you know if you're a dancer you spot something and you don't you know i i mean that's not all i mean when i'm spotting and dancing i'm not moving in a car but or looking at goats Sure. Well, you never know. I mean, you could be a farm dancer and be spotting with goats. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Madame Leota. Seance queen. Yep. Madame Leota. Um, can I just say, can I just, can I just say real quick about Madame L is that sure. no matter, no matter what phase of Madame Leota we're in, the merch, the, the artist merch people cannot get her they cannot <laughs> capture her nope. in a beautiful way especially via ornament it's like this is so ugly why any physical item that specifically disney sells of madame leota is hot garbage it is always you know so awful it honestly reminds me like it's on the same playing field as like the new fangled uh, 3D um, sonogram pictures that make babies look like aliens. Like that's what I feel like they make Madame Leota's face look like on a Christmas <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but C- Madame Leota becomes a Christmas ornament uh, in Haunted Mansion Holiday. And I'm like, how cool would that be to like own a little Madame Leota Christmas ornament? Like that would be so fun. They tried. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> so. Uh, question. This is now we're getting into some deep haunted mansion lore here. Oh, I can't wait. Is Madame Leota one of the 999 happy haunts or is she summoning the 999 happy haunts? Because it is not until after you go through the seance room that you start seeing the ghosts. You enter the attraction, you go up you see the endless hallway with the candelabra. There's no one holding it. You're like, oh, floating. Yep. Go down a corridor of doors, up and around grandfather clock. Then you see Madame Leota. Yeah. So is she a ghost seance lady or is she some other sort of spiritual object that is really the one who's responsible for the haunted mansion's population? Yeah, that's 
it's so funny that you ask that because your boy had that question in his notes. <laughs> and I like I don't really know what that answer is. She's like quite literally a medium. And she, I feel like she transcends our world, but also the spiritual world. Uh, the ghost host says something like how uh, they sense your sympathetic vibrations. Uh, maybe Madame Leota can, you know, right. bring them out or whatever. And so she, Madame Leota is separate from the spirit sensing your sympathetic vibrations, which makes me think that she's not one of them. Right. She's this other mystical being. Uh, and that's actually a backstory wiki that I would read, Trader Sam. <laughs> um, on a similar note, the the uh, skeleton that is trying to escape the coffin right zombie right not a ghost what's up with that well and that's also before the summon the summon me exactly and the and the can and the candle that goes by itself like and then whole- and all of the the knockers are going by themselves yeah. as you go down the corridor of doors as well so there's some, there's some, there that guy, the, the like zombie, the skeleton guy in the coffin, and the Leota, I think, are independent. They're like their own things. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting. So, um, shout out to Madame Leota for being unique, standing totally. out from the nine hundred ninety nine. Um, sure, like in my head canon, she's she's um, you know thousands of years old. I'm sure she saw the rise and fall of ancient civilizations. <laughs> right. Um, and she chose to live in this house in Disneyland <laughs> to do her, her full-time uh, seancing. She used to not float. She used to be uh, a stationary object. Madame Leota, uh, I guess a little not related to her as a character, but a little behind-the-scenes Madame Leota. She was super... In- instrumental, influential in the development of like projection mapping and totally. of using projection um, on attractions. Mm-hmm. It was difficult for the Imagineers when the attraction was first created. If I'm remembering correctly, they wanted her always to be this floating object, but they yeah. had to make her stationary because they just couldn't figure out how to do it. And even when they did figure out how to do it, there was the reflection of the projector coming off of the ball. So there was one specific spot every time you would come around the room that you would see the, the shine and it would kind of ruin the effect. Um, and that, that no longer exists. I mean, interesting character, super important to the ride. If there's no Madame Leota, there's no Haunted Mansion because we don't right. see no ghosts. You don't see no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, Influential on the ride, influential in like the, the, the history of Disneyland. Um, I have a few other things about her that I would like to talk about, but I think I have enough here to advance her over the goat uh, pretty easily. Yeah. Yep. Madame Leota, for sure. I have nothing else on the goat. I like the story that you threaded for us about how the goat works into the current big thunder story. But I still think that he's just a goat chewing on a piece of dynamite (laughs) that enhances your, your personal experience. If you know how to look at him, right? So I'm going Madame Leota. I'll save all my little history spiel for the next time. Tess, you said that you were nervous about this matchup. Uh, Were you nervous because you 
you wanted the goat to go by? Um, I, I love the goat so much. I just, I love Big Thunder so much, but I just love the goat. I just think he's so jolly. He's just, he's so good. So I was just, I knew that he was going to get voted off. So that's, I, I nervous isn't the right word. I was just preemptively sad to see him go, <laughs> but I get it. Pour one out. Pour some of that uh, Haunted Mansion concoction out for the old goat over there. There's not much left. But sure. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's get on to this last matchup on the side of the brackets. The number five Rex from Star Tours and now in Ogo's Cantina versus the Abominable Snowman from the Matterhorn. Uh, the Snowman was not always in the Matterhorn. Uh, The Matterhorn, when it first opened, was this kind of hollowed mountain with just all of these beams and this swirling track with no sort of sounds happening. It's just the screeching of the wheels and and you're whirling down the mountain, which is actually pretty scary. Like That's probably more scary than what we get currently with the addition of the snowman. (laughs) Uh, But as they learned how to fit in a set into this big mountain around the first tubular steel roller coaster. Uh, they they did it big and it was pretty cool. So I found this uh, cast member newsletter from 78 that announced that the there was maybe a snowman on this mountain. Uh, they were there. The cast member newsletter said something like, uh, you may notice that the the Matterhorn is down for some renovations, and as we've been fixing it up, uh, we noticed a couple of footprints in the upper computer room. They're doing this like bending of story, but like also in reality, like the snowman exists in our current world hmm. in this Matterhorn. You're not in you're not in the actual Matterhorn. You're in the Disneyland Matterhorn, and the snowman exists only in the Disneyland Matterhorn. Uh, so they're like, maybe it's it's a, a snowman looking for for his new home. And that's what it turned out to be. We get the the static snowman. So in the first iteration, he just kind of stood there in an ice cavern. You whizzed by him. There were three that were initially made. And so as you go through the tracks, uh, you see a static figure with some sound. And I noticed in the newsletter, they announced that like they're going to add sound to the attraction and that they were going to include a refrigeration system to make the interior cold as ice. And I'm pretty sure one that may never have happened, but it definitely doesn't happen now. I don't think that you can run a roller coaster through like an ice cold room and expect it to stop correctly. I'm sure you, I mean, it would depend on how cold it was. Sure. Sure. They're not going to get it like freezing in this uh, opened caverned Matterhorn, but they definitely didn't get the refrigeration system up and running, at least in our lifetime. So Matterhorn uh, gets a snowman and then you get the the moving snowman in 2015 when they renovated the mountain for Disneyland's 50th anniversary uh, and or 50 or 60th anniversary. Sorry. And this one, this one is good. Yes. This is this abominable snowman that as you go up that first lift hill, the only lift hill, you you hear some rumblings and you go past these patches of ice and you can see the silhouette of the snowman on the other side. And he lets out this deep bass growl that just kind of like shivers you to the bone and it runs up the mountain. You can hear it trailing up as you're going up. 
depending on what track you you go on, you encounter the snowman at different times. But every time you see him, he is moving. At one point, he swipes at you. Another time, he is just kind of leaning out of his cave and roaring at you. It is such a great character to enhance a very fun roller coaster. It's up against Rex. Rex is the Star Tours uh, pilot that you used to get once upon a time in the original version of Star Tours. You encounter him on his first flight, as he lets you know at the very end. He's still working out his programming. Uh, this, this character is voiced by Paul Rubens, who, of course, is Pee Wee Herman. So you can hear a lot of, of little Pee Wee in there, even though the pitch is raised a little bit to give him a droid-like sound. But Rex is great. He's super endearing. Uh, you kind of you don't feel bad for him, but you like him, even though he almost got your entire cabin killed. Uh, he ran those tours for a very long time. And then we get the renovation of Star Tours with some of the new films and we get C-3PO that steps in as our, our new pilot. So I've talked about, I think, maybe the backstory to Rex before and how he ended up in Oga's. And if I haven't, then I'm going to give you the abridged version. Basically, what he did afterwards is he worked for a shipping company after his tour of duty at Star Tours. And in his cargo shipping days, uh, he accidentally got into a, a dogfight in space and he got shot down. And his, his spaceship landed on Batu, and in the hunk of, of wreckage... Oga pulled him out and reprogrammed him as a DJ. So now we have DJ Rex in Oga's cantina. If you're there long enough, you can hear him kind of short circuit back into Pilot Rex, which is really fun. So you still get a little touch of that. Paul Rubin still does the voice of DJ Rex. So he came back to re-record all of the bits for DJ Rex. Uh, he's a great, he's a great character. Uh, man, this is a tough one because I really like Rex because I loved him in Star Tours. And I thought I was going to hate him in Ogas, but I actually really, really enjoy him and the ambiance that he brings in Ogas. But the snowman is also incredible. And he adds so much to the Matterhorn attraction that if he wasn't there, uh, you would still have fun. But I feel like he just brings that to the next level and makes me want to keep going back and see him every single time I go. So it's tough. I think that... I think that just because we we get more out of Rex and we interact more with Rex, uh, both in Oga's and when he was on Star Tours, uh, he has that that animatronic type history that I really like, in which you can really see the character and and the personality out of this just this robot. Uh, I love Rex a lot. I'm gonna go with the five seed here. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. I got Rex. I love Rex. I really liked the original version of Star Tours a lot. Um, and a lot of the reason was because of Rex. Uh, I, I like how bumbling he is. I, he's kind of a, a sympathetic character and a relatable character. It being his first flight to Endor uh, when you take off, uh, it's it's sort of uh, relatable you know uh, this guy has <laughs> clearly has no idea what he's doing just like I do when I go to work every day um, and and I like that I, I like Paul Rubens uh, in the role great performance from him yeah I wish I, I, I still have not made it out to Oga's but I imagine I would really enjoy uh, his presence in that establishment 
have to give a shout out to my old Matterhorn Abominable Snowman Stuffed Animal Bill. Yeah. Shout out uh, Bill. Shout out not to be con- confused with Trader Bill. Yep. Um, nope. Different different, <laughs> different Bill, but uh <laughs> have to have to give him uh, some credit. I do like the abominable snowman. Like you said, the, 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 the current version of the snowman. So good. Um, almost on the level of the Yeti at expedition Everest, but uh, they had to do, they had to do less uh, because that <laughs> one it turned Forced out to be to kind of less. a disaster. So um, yeah, I'm with you. Rex is moving on Tess. You haven't had to do a lot of work. On this first uh, half of the bracket, uh, how do we feel about the snowman's going home? You know, you know he has a name, right? He's not just the snowman. He has okay. a name. Okay. Harold, we can call him Harold if we want to. Is that canon? Is that canon? It's Googleable. <laughs> hey, Google's not canon. Is it? Did, did Disney blogs do an article about it? Yeah, for real. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> cast members and Disney fans alike lovingly, lovingly call him Harold. Cast Harold members. 1.0, ca- Harold cast, 2.0. No, cast members are out <laughs> here making their own canon sometimes. They I need, deserve it. They get paid like $10 an hour. They deserve something. I need a Disney blog <laughs> article or it's it's not real. All right, let's hop over to the other (laughs) side of the bracket. We've got the number two seed, the auctioneer from Pirates of the Caribbean versus the number 15 seed, Eagle Sam from America Sings. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. The auctioneer. What a history for this guy. (laughs) What a turnaround for the auctioneer. (laughs) So I was like, how do I approach talking about this character. <laughs> um, but I mean, I kind of, I guess I'll just have to, to just go from the heart and say that this scene, this new version of the auctioneer scene feels like it could have been better. Sure. I don't know how you two feel about it. Just out of all animals in the universe that you can auction off, as coming from a hometown that has livestock auctions, like, do we need to auction off chickens? <laughs> right. People are trying to get rid of chickens. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's such a weird thing to auction off. Like, you just, there's so many other things they could, I mean, I'm all for the update. Like, I stand, read all those, like, that's great. But, like, chickens? Yeah. Could have been... I, I guess they're auctioning off a lot of stuff, but it's just, I'm stuck on the chickens. Like, we don't I mean, need to auction off. No, I mean, me too. I, th- there could have been any no- number of things that could have been a little bit more, I guess, interesting or piratey or funny in, in an unoffensive way. Right. And that, I think that's what Red is trying to get at in this scene. Is like, f*** them chickens. They want rum. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, the right. right, the, the, the auctioneer rewrite, the dialogue rewrite is obviously like you have a new scene. You have to write a new dialogue. The existencio, you can't mimic his style. No. You and, can't. Th- and I think that ultimately is the thing that throws the scene off for me, that it mm. sounds so different. I mean, 
you know, act different actor, different delivery, but I I just don't think that anyone has is is playing from the same dictionary that X was <laughs> no. playing from, you know? For sure. Um and and the old auctioneer used to uh you know, he he throw down lines like shift your cargo deary, show them your larboard side. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which, you know, basically let me see that. <laughs> <girl>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know now it's oh do i hear 10 a hen for a 10 right it's oh it rhymed it rhymed so it's clever okay got it got it um it just seems like kind of i don't know low effort like and also a hen for a 10 what's a 10 just say 10 for a hen it still rhymes and it makes sense <laughs> grammatically. Like with you, you know what's even worse about like that dialogue rewrite is that your the line that you just read from the original auctioneer was attempted to be like referenced by by selling these hens and he says strike your feathers dearie show them your flock. What what does that mean? <laughs> what is a flock? What? Also who are you saying that to? The ch- the, the chicken or the, the woman? The chicken? No, it's the sad chicken lady who's so sad to, to get rid of her chickens. She's sure. too sad. Sure. And, and so, so here's kind of what I've landed on. The auctioneer himself needed to go. Mm. Just Interesting. Lo- just lose the auctioneer entirely and make Red the new auctioneer. Wow. Because the original Redhead was not the focal point of the scene. The auctioneer was always the focal point of the scene. And now red is a focal point of the scene and the auctioneer is a focal point of the scene. Uh So it's a little bit, and then you've got, you know, a whole gang of pirates on the other side of the boat. So it's almost like there's, and and they increase the lighting as well. It used to kind of be like a, a, a dim yellow across the whole scene. And now there's like kind of bright white on red and the auctioneer, as well as the chicken lady. Right. So it's almost like you don't know where to look anymore. Mm. Yeah, sure. So yeah. they should have just axed the auctioneer, put Red up on the auction block. Maybe Red hijacked, maybe Red, I don't know. There was a, the auctioneer was not a pirate. The auctioneer was a townsperson. She took, she tied up the auctioneer and she's running the show <laughs> right. now. You right, know, right. and she's giving stuff away at bargain prices, uh, and you know the pirates are getting things for basically free <laughs> that should be worth way more, and they're not <laughs> buying crap; they're buying like valuable treasure. I don't know. Yeah, like sure. these. There's there was a way to do it that I think would would have worked better. And this is a problem that I kind of have with pirates in general these days is you've got the Jack, the, the new Jack Sparrow stuff in the mix. You had Davy Jones stuff in there that is now an octopus person. Um, there's a different Jack Sparrow finale in, in, a, in a black beard. It's like so disjointed, you know, sure. yep. um, the, 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 the styles have gotten intermixed to the point where the attraction audio, the narration, the dialogue is no longer cohesive. It's just kind of a mess stylistically, stylistically. Okay. The change had to be made. We can all agree on that. It was not cool. (laughs) It's not cool to have had to go. Um, but it feels like a band aid more than like a real major creative attempt at like 
reimagining the space. Sure. That's all I'm, I guess that's, I hope that was all <laughs> like, <laughs> appropriate and you know what I'm trying to say. I guess I just don't really care about him as much as a lot of our mansion characters. Two seed feels pretty high for him, um, especially because he is now in a new form. Uh, I read another character that I think could have made this bracket, one that does have a Disney blogs backstory. Eagle Sam, <laughs> um, Eagle Sam. Uh, hey, what's the first and last thing you need to know about Eagle Sam? He's Burl Ives. Yeah. Uh, we love Burl Ives on this podcast. Uh, Burl uh, yeah. Ives, the singer of what's that song he sang called? Lavender's, Lavender's Blue. Blue. Yep. yep. Uh, from So Dear to My Heart. Uh, Kyle, you kind of mentioned uh, where America Sings falls in the history of the rotating Tomorrowland building. Uh, Eagle Sam was like the de facto narrator of America Sings. Uh, he, him, he had like a, a porcupine friend or like maybe no, a raccoon an friend or something. An owl. An owl okay. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was a really dumb animal. Low IQ animal. <laughs> Look it up, bro. Owls are stupid. <laughs> I used to be afraid of owls. I think they're terrified. Good. You know, you don't know what they can do because they have low IQ. Because they don't know even what they're going to do. Owls are dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> Eagle Sam, he's Burl Ives. He's got that crispy voice. Big, big Yankee Doodle guy. He loves Yankee Doodle, man. He loves Yankee Doodle. Not only does he like, you know, sing regular Yankee Doodle and he's like, hey, America, the history of music. It's all about Yankee Doodle, baby. This is that first pop song, baby. It's the first song. But he also changes up the lyrics. When the scenes are rotating as America Sings goes from era to era to explore new musical styles, Eagle Sam is there to sing a fun rendition of Yankee Doodle and changing up the words a little bit. And like, these are bars. Like these are hot fire lyrics. Freestyle off the top. Uh, Yeah. And Burl Ives does a great job uh, delivering some of those rollicking rollicking lines in the uh, Yankee Doodle remix. (laughs) Um, uh, Some other things we need to know about Eagle Sam. Um, Why is he holding an arrow? It's like, what is this? Like, I get that he's got like a top hat. He's an eagle, which means he's American. That right. It's called American Sings. But like, what's up with the arrow? Is there something super American about arrows? No, I, I mean, he he goes Archery, through. Archery, right? I, I mean, he goes through these different eras. And with each era, he has a costume change. And each costume change is like, why that? And I think that the arrow specifically was for like that first era and last yeah first and last when he's like he's like introing the show and like wrapping up the show he's holding this arrow no idea it's like what what was that for don't know no idea um eagle sam has the best table in the club oh man he's in the in the nineteen twenties scene he's right by the stage (laughs) they might as well have said oh Thank you for joining us this evening, Mr. Eagle, Mr. Sam, whatever your name is, <laughs> Mr. Burl, <laughs> Eagle Burl. Here's, here's your VIP Here's table. your table, sir. Mr. And there's Eagle. a little velvet rope that they... Yeah, exactly. Keep that little gopher creature out of here, though. He's a big spender. I'm sure he's buying lots of drinks. Um, Eagle Sam rides a donkey. 
in the uh, the swamp the swamp boys section when they're yeah. down in the bayou. He's he's on donkey back the whole time. <laughs> We've got a a little Pluto goofy situation here at America Sings. All these <laughs> other characters are these singing characters, and yet we got Eagle Sam on a donkey. So donkey sing best doesn't look like it. Best part about Eagle Sam woke woke. He's he's pretty woke. He's a woke boy. Yeah, he starts off the show. The stupid eagle, the stupid owl, because he doesn't know anything. Is like, well, where did where did music come from, Eagle Sam? And Eagle Sam's like, like a true American, a true and and a true woke American says, from songs people brought from their native countries. Yeah, he knows that Americanism is not a real thing. It's all stolen from other stuff. Right. And that's the part that I love the most about Eagle Sam. And that is why I have him advancing over the auctioneer in an upset. I'm going auctioneer. I'm going the two seed. And I'm going auctioneer because I think that he, in both in both realms, embodies piratism and what it is to be a pirate. He's awful. He's awful in the, in the aspect that he's human trafficking awful pirates are pirates are awful he's also awful in the new version at just doing normal people things which is being an auctioneer he, he's trying to auction off hens that's not what you auction off this dude obviously was just kind of tapped on the shoulder and said hey do you mind getting rid of this inventory can you m- move it around the crowd and he's like i've i've never done this before and they're like we'll give it a shot and he's like uh 10 for a hen like he's bad at his job <laughs> But I think that he still is such an important piece to this attraction. Uh, if if he was gone in either form, I think he would be greatly missed. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna advance him. Tess, you have your first tiebreak. No, this is the <laughs> only matchup I had zero opinion on. I just oh God, you guys welcome to the dead. I okay. You guys both make compelling arguments somehow. And I would say You going woke or you going dope? <laughs> I'm I'm still stuck on that Christmas Hill that he's dying on for this episode is about owls. Like I don't understand what's happening. Look it up. Rails. Google, it. Here, Google, Google right now. Are owls smart? That's why Owl and Winnie the Pooh is an Google idiot. <laughs> for some reason they're always wearing graduation hats. I don't know why. Hey, come back. We're here. Come back. Okay. So, I would say that I don't think we know. I don't think we know enough, like nice stuff about the auctioneer. I think I, you know, I think I just I, even though the auctioneer is the only one I've actually seen and experienced myself, I just don't have an opinion on him, which means he must not be very good. Whereas Eagle Sam. I don't know. I just I, I feel like there's more to work with there. So I'm going with Eagle Sam. All right. Bird Brain himself moves on to the next mound. Downs the auctioneer. Let's move on to this next matchup. So number seven, Mara from Indiana Jones Adventure versus number 10, the singing busts from the Haunted Mansion. Let's breeze through the singing busts really quick. Uh, performed by the Mellow Men, led by Thurl Ravenscroft. You know him. You run that corner around the graveyard in Haunted Mansion and you have the five busts that are singing. You have that projection mapping technology 
that brings them to life that has always been there. Uh, they've, of course, advanced it, but it's not like the Madame Leota effect in which they had to project through glass. They're just projecting onto the static busts of these men and making them come to life. Super crucial to the technology that happens in Disneyland moving forward, especially as they continue to really only projection map uh, outside of the parks, outside of screen usage, right? So the singing bus are harmonizing together. They're a little kind of barbershop, barbershop quintet version of Grim Grinning Ghosts. Uh, you can see that they all kind of have their own little personality quirks, uh, especially as they have their each one has a little bit of a solo. Maybe only two or three of them do, but their their expressions are incredible. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that as they are performing, they're supposed to be these static figures. And if we're going to look at them and get something out of them and life out of them, they have to over exaggerate their expressions. And they did that well. Originally, they were going to hire actors to do it and lip sync over the voices of the melomen. But they saw how the melomen were performing the song in the studio, and they said, nah, we just got to get them to do it. Uh, I really like the busts. They're one of my favorite parts to go by in the Haunted Mansion. They're my favorite part of the Grim Grinning Ghosts score uh, to listen to around Halloween time. Uh, they bring me a lot of joy. I like them a lot. And I just like that, like, these are potentially ghosts that are coming back to their current representations and like bringing them back to life hmm. uh, as spirits. Not so much as like a Madame Leota or the the zombie man in the in the coffin, but more so these ghosts are like, I want to take something of my physical form again. And we have these headstones, we have these busts representing us. Let's bring those back to life. I think that's really fun, really cool. Up against Mara, when you think of Indiana Jones adventure, you kind of think about this crazy ride through this temple, but it's all centered around this character, Mara, who is this deity of the temple. Uh, Mara kind of... <laughs> the backstory is another one of that just kind of is too much for me uh, when it comes to Mara and Indiana Jones adventure, but it's pretty consistent across the board when I've looked it up. So essentially, long story short, is that they find this temple that is supposed to provide you with either eternal youth, riches, or visions of the future. Indiana Jones goes in to, to kind of look, look through it. Uh, they realize that you can't look into the eye or else you're not going to get this stuff, which is why Indy discovers all of these like skeletons and things. So they're trying to discover, they're trying to find out where the power of Mara comes from and they learn that it comes from this jewel of power, but they can't continue their excavation. They're running out of money, so they run tours through the temple to make money. Uh, throughout the tour time, tourists start going missing. And that's kind of what you see in Sala's pre-show is that people are like disappearing out of nowhere, getting turned into skeletons. And so they the provide the tour company, which is the Jungle Navigation Company, which is the company that provides the tours for the Jungle Cruise. Here we go, are some connections. Uh, they pull out. And so Sala is running the show now. And when Indy goes missing, uh, Sala is running the whole thing by himself, trying to use the tourist tours to also locate where Indy is. And that's what you're on this, this adventure for. 
when you go into the temple, someone in your car looks at the eye of Mara and all hell breaks loose, right? And that's why we go on this adventure. We are shown one of these three riches or youth or visions of the future. And then the walls come crumbling down because somebody looked at the eye of Mara. Mara is kind of represented represented as these massive busts that are throughout the Temple of Doom. Uh, you kind of see indications of Mara and other places through the queue. Uh, you don't get anything out of Mara except for the beginning where it's like, uh, look into my eyes and I'll show you what you want most or whatever. And then when you do, Mara's like, oh, you looked into my eye, you're going to be mine, <laughs> whatever that line is. And then you go through the attraction. Um Trader Sam makes an appearance in this whole Indiana Jones adventure thing as well. And I didn't mention that, but he lets Indy know about the jewel of power. And that's how how Mara has his power. <sighs> Hate it. So in this matchup, um, I really like Mara and I like the the lore of Mara. But I think that it's the lore, not the character that really carries that attraction. Uh, the hitchhike or the... um. Singing busts are a staple of the Haunted Mansion for me. It's kind of a nice send-off to the hitchhiking ghosts. It's this last serenade until you rise back up from the graveyard. So I'm going to go with the singing busts. Uh, I actually have Mara advancing Wow, I, I like that he's kind of omnipresent from the moment that you enter the attraction queue. All the warnings throughout... Uh, the queue, all of the um, other language text that is carved in the temple walls, like that's all warnings um, as you kind of make your way towards seeing this this powerful deity. Um, it's pretty cool, I think. Um, and your interaction with him is what sets the ride on its course. I mean, if no one in your ride car looked at him, that would, the ride would be over right there. Sure. And, and you turn around and you walk out. Uh, and so even though, you know, we don't, we don't have like a Mara backstory and we don't know a lot about him as a person or uh, his, what he's like as a God, other than the fact that he seems like kind of uh, unfair. Con a little yeah, bit. Kind of, he's, <laughs> he's kind of tricking people for sure. Um, but I, I I like that um, that that kind of predicament that you enter into when those when those doors open as you go up to see Mara. Um, it's for me like I'm the type of indie writer that definitely plays along with the uh, with the experience. So uh, so I like it. I got Mara. Tess, you're breaking it and back to back ties. I think objectively we don't get enough time with either of these characters, right? Just sure. putting that out there. Yeah. You know, we, we deserve more time with both of them. Um, ultimately, um, the one that comes to my mind first of ones that I look forward to, you know, when I ride indie, I'm looking forward to the whole experience and I'm not really thinking about Mara and all that. I'm, But when I'm on Haunted Mansion, when I'm in the graveyard scene, I'm anticipating the best. So that alone shows me that, you know, they stand out and might be a better character because of it. So I'm going with the best. All right. Well, my bracket is officially 
busted uh, <laughs> as we move on <laughs> to the next matchup. It's the number three seed Jose from the Enchanted Tiki Room versus number 14, the Submarine Voyage Captain. Jose, number three seed. Another one to me that feels pretty high. Um, for the most part, when I think of the Tiki Room, it's kind of an ensemble, uh, in my opinion. And, and I mean, this includes the pre-show gods and goddesses outside the Tiki Room. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of this big experience where it's a lot of different birds and tikis and stuff uh, serenading you. Jose is the is I guess the leader of sorts of yeah, the tiki room birds. So. Um, and we talked a little bit about Jose. Uh, he is a Mexican bird who was voiced by a white man named Wally Bogue. <laughs> um, yeah. Wally Bogue. Uh, f- we could talk all day about Wally Bogue. He's got quite an extensive uh, Disney history. We've also got in the Tiki Room uh, Michael, who is like an Irish bird, uh, and Fritz, who is a, a German bird, and Pierre, who's a French bird. So we've got Mexican, Irish, French, German. I don't know how the Tiki Room, whether it is a Polynesian <laughs> Tiki experience, how we ended up with these birds, and not one of them is Pacific Islander or anything like that, uh, seems strange, I guess, but. Uh, Jose is the one that kicks off the show. Jose um, has an interesting relationship with uh, with women and with with women birds and with women people. Uh, his audio is still um, "Gracias, Señorita" when he wakes up. So I guess when they wrote the attraction script, they anticipated the Tiki Room host would would always be a uh, woman identifying. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose always uses Senorita, even though who knows uh, who might the cast member be who's, who's waking Jose up from his nap. Um, but he um, he kicks things off. He kicks things off. He kicks off the whole show, um, and he's he's kind of a you know like I said a leader, but also kind of a director of sorts. He's always kind of orchestrating the next number. Um, he's uh, shutting down some bickering between the other birds to keep the show going. So uh, he definitely feels like a leader of sorts. The captain from the submarine voyage. <laughs> Love the fact that we get to talk about the submarine voyage on the show. A defunct attraction. It does not exist anymore. The subs were absent from our lives. I don't know, ex- know exactly how long they were gone. I want to say it was like I think six, it was 98 to 2005. I want to say it was like 2007. I think you are. I want to say correct. spring yeah, 2007. 2007, the summer of 2007. Sick. So, um, so yeah, it's so so we had a brief, almost ten year period without the subs. Uh, but I remember the subs when I was a little little guy. Yeah, and same. and I remember it being really fun. Uh, something it scared the shit out of me. Something inherently inspiring about being underwater and looking out onto. Uh, the fish and the aquatic life and plants and rocks out there in the submarine lagoon. Um, won't break down the whole ride, but the captain is uh is the narrator for the entire attraction. It's about eight minutes long, and um he's he's with us the entire way. Some some traits of the captain that that I want to point out. Uh, does not tolerate smoking. 
<laughs> nope. Smoking lamp is off. Smoking lamp is out. No smoking on here. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and assume that this um, also applies to flatulence. So I would say if he doesn't <laughs> tolerate smoking, he probably also doesn't want these little kids ripping them nasty farts in his sub. Uh, well, he allows it in Nemo, I'll tell you that. I don't know who wrote the, like, narration, who wrote the attraction script, but it Yeah, does, I couldn't find it. It has, um, and also, like, the performer itself. No one knows who the performer no. is. It's been lost to time. No one knows who this actor is. So, apparently, he was a nobody. It wasn't, it wasn't important enough to... Uh, to write down, I guess there were no story there, but, um, he's got this very kind of, uh, warm, quaint, nostalgic way of talking, just like that mighty microscope inner space, uh, kind of vibe to it. Obviously yeah. not the same actor, but the same sort of energy. Uh, a lot like the Mark Twain. He is just kind of pointing out things that we see out the side of the sub, Um, But the thing that I like about this narration is that he goes on a voyage himself uh, as we see (laughs) things like mermaids and the lost city of Atlantis and sea serpents. Uh, The sub captain himself kind of becomes a passenger in a way where we are underwater being very inspired by these things. Like, whoa, that's cool. That's cool. And the submarine captain himself is like, what am I seeing down here? Mm-hmm. This stuff's yeah. getting absolutely crazy. Uh, and I think he sort of is supposed to be the the vessel for the parents on the ride, maybe. Um, and it's kind of a fun way to leave the attraction where it's like, oh, did we, did we see mermaids or did we not see mermaids? <laughs> no one really knows because pressure could have been too high in the cabin. Uh-huh. We just don't really know. Jose's fine. I think he's overrated. I'm, I'm very nostalgic for this sub. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride the captain to the next round. I'm going Jose. I think that it's he's an icon of the parks. I think that he is the leader. I don't see the Tiki Room being this ensemble thing. I think that Jose really does guide the show. And so I like him. I like that we get to see him and interact with him. That interactive element with an animatronic is much better than interacting with an actual person. I will say that I do really enjoy the sub captain just as I do the captain of the Mark Twain, but he's up against Jose, who I can see, enjoy, uh, sit in different places in the Tiki room and take in his performance from different places. Jose is just a little bit more dynamic. I'm going with Jose. Tess, you're breaking yet another tie. Yeah, I would have to agree with Kyle in that when I think of the Tiki room, especially as someone who, you know, listens to Disneyland ride soundtracks and things like that. Jose is very much, um, he, he's probably the most iconic of that ride. I couldn't off the top of my head name a whole bunch of other names of birds in that ride. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Jose just by the iconic, uh, by how iconic he is to that ride versus the captain submarine. Would it necessarily pick him out in a in a line all right we've arrived to our final matchup number six ghost hosts from the haunted mansion versus number 11 tom morrow from multiple disneyland attractions uh chris is holding it up jerry's gang tom morrow was the 
character that we were hoping to pull during our pull of the pod segments. And when we tell you that he was the last cards that we pulled, uh, we found him. One, there were so many duplicates, but there was only one Tom Morrow. I still have not had time to make him into a pimp chain, but I am planning <laughs> on it. Um, just to... Uh, you know, just to get it on document again, we'll go ahead and read the back of the Tom Morrow card. Thank you. Uh, Tom Morrow, previously of Flight to the Moon fame, is the host to the five themed areas of interventions, transportation, health and sports, home, work and school and entertainment. Highlighting the latest in technologies and products, this attraction is a two-story hands-on exhibit. Thank you. And that's exactly what we get them in. I I've obviously never been on a uh, flight to the moon, so I don't know what that character was like. Uh, there's not really any video of him from the early days of Disneyland. So it's really hard to tell who Tom Morrow was then, but we get the zany Tom Morrow in interventions at Disneyland. He's been stripped of his animatronic skin. He is now just this kind of zany robot looking dude with the, the spiky, almost fro like hair. That is made of wires. He's got the poly D. He's got the blowout. He's got the poly D. He does. Poly D before the poly D had poly D. Uh, oh, no. and, and we see him in interventions first on a screen where he introduces kind of what this attraction is going to be. And then you interact with him in real life. Uh, he's a very fluid moving animatronic. Granted, he's not supposed to look human, but like his robotic movements are super fluid. I yeah. was very impressed uh, when I rewatched the video on YouTube, just how well that technology has held up. Voiced by Nathan Lane, once he gets over to Interventions of Broadway fame, of Timon fame. Uh, and he sings uh, these interesting remixes of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow to pay homage to our boy Jean from Carousel of Progress, of course, which inhabited the building before Interventions, uh, even before American Sings. Uh, He's a fun character. Uh, he, like I said, a zany robot sort of gets your attention and gets you interested in learning. And I think that's a big part of his job in this attraction is to stand out over topics that maybe kids might find boring, but he's going to make them interesting. And so I really like that about him. But he's up against the ghost host. And the ghost host, you know, you you had mentioned that master gracie hanging from the ceiling there's also these theories that maybe like is the ghost host master gracie is he the one hanging from the the ceiling when he says my way is it that he influenced master gracie to hang himself or did he hang himself whatever that lore may be uh the ghost host is with you throughout the entire attraction uh he does leave you for a little bit but he comes back and he what makes him different from maybe some of these other narrators is that you almost feel like you are you are interacting with him. And it's mostly because the narration is helping to physically move the doom buggies. And it almost feels like he's guiding you through the attraction. He's saying, look here, look there. You, you know, the 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 spirits have felt your sympathetic vibrations over here. Um so I, I really like the ghost toast. Uh I I can't I can't pass Tom Morrow on when the ghost host has survived for so long and Tom Morrow has tried to to show up in different iterations and still just can't make it happen in Disneyland. He's a zany character and I love him and we love we love him on this pod. We search for him 
for months and finally found him. And Chris now has a, a medallion for his chain one of these days. But I've got to go with the ghost host here. I think that he just plays such an important role to the attraction. Any other matchup? Any other matchup? <laughs> I'm being a troll, and I'm and I'm moving Tom R <laughs> on. But I cannot against the against the ghost host. This is a really unfortunate one for me. Um, I did not realize how many times I had ridden in a ridden or entered in Avengers or whatever. Um, until I went back and I rewatched the the like intro video to Innoventions and how yeah. much of it I, I remembered. Um, specifically when he says, uh, I mentioned it in my intro of the character as we were talking about our rankings. When he was like, who could have forget the plastic house of the future, the robot butler, the, <laughs> the private jetpack. What were they thinking? Yeah. It's such, it's like the corniest 90s edit like ever. Yes. And um, it just really, really funny and really took me back a little bit. Uh, the, the lab coat, like. See-through lab coat. He's exposing himself. <laughs> everyone who's coming into his house he's welcoming he says everybody come inside so happy to have here naked body tom morrow's naked body his parts are his parts are showing everywhere and uh, he seems to it seems to be the point it was very orchestrated um so yeah i think he's got to lose the see-through lab coat just just let it fly dude oh uh, yeah i got the ghost toast tess Tomorrow, an icon of Mouse Madness goes home in the first <laughs> round. It's it's really unfortunate, and you hate to see it because we talk such a big game when it comes to our love for Tomorrow. But we did the right thing here. We moved to the higher seat. On uh, are we good with it? I'm I'm good with the haunted mansion blanket known as the ghost host, who just you know is with you and comforts you through that June buggy ride. I'm. I'm happy that he's moving on. We've got all of our Haunted Mansion folks moving on into round two. We'll pick up round two next week, and it's going to look a little something like this. The number one seed Hitchhiking Ghosts will take on the number nine seed John from Carousel of Progress. The number four seed Madame Leota will take on the number five seed Rex from Star Tours. The number 15 seed Eagle Sam from America Sings will take on the number 10 Singing Bus from the Haunted Mansion. The number three seed Jose from the Tiki Room will take on the number six seed Ghost Host from the Haunted Mansion. Tess, thank you for joining us on another episode and adding roughly another 90 minutes to your overall <laughs> Mouse Madness playtime playlist. We'll see how many we add next week. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's always a good, a good time hanging out with Pod. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about these attraction characters, did we have some good takes? Did we have some bad takes? Did we completely miss a Disneyland attraction character that you would like to say something about? Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Or if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and become a member of Jerry's Gang by joining us at the $5 level. Looking forward to seeing you next time, folks. Until then, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great... Predictable. Hey, had to do it. Had to do it. Had to do it. <laughs>